Hello, podcast listeners. This is Casey Paul Griffiths, professor of church history at BYU and president of the Latter-day Saint Educator Society. And I love church history. I get to teach it. It's my dream job. And I'm constantly searching for new and interesting stories to tell and new angles on old stories. For the first few years of my academic career, my exploration of church history took place purely in books. I was a teacher, and frankly, I was too poor to travel anywhere, so I had adventures in my mind and through my books. And when I came to BYU, my department planned a church history tour for new faculty members. And though I'd been teaching church history for 12 years at this point, for the first time, I was able to visit places like the Sacred Grove, uh, the Hill Cumorah, the Susquehanna River, and a lot of other very special locations. I can't tell you what a wonderful experience it was to visit these sacred sites. When we first arrived in Palmyra, it was 10.30 p.m. at night, and I was so excited to see the Sacred Grove that I walked from the hotel in the middle of a rainstorm because I wanted to just set foot there. It was pitch black. A few moments later, I found myself wandering through the grove, soaking wet, with only my sad little cell phone light to show me the way. A few raccoons scared me back to my hotel room, but I will never forget the first time I set foot in that holy ground. The next day, I went back and spent the day in the grove, learning more about the context surrounding the first vision that I had in all my years with all my books. There's just something about being there. Now, whether you are teaching history, math, or anything else, there's no way to replace an actual experience. Theoretical learning, book learning, will always be important, but experiential learning can do things nothing else can do. Our guest today, David Waddell, is an expert in experiential learning, and helping our students experience learning and not just sit through it is the subject of today's episode of Seek Learning. In the lives of Latter-day Saints, education is central to their religion and its practice. For members of the church, education is not merely a good idea. It's a commandment. At the David O. McKay School of Education at Brigham Young University, scholars carry out different studies every year in the field of education. In this podcast, we speak with these scholars to find out what they discovered about education and what does it mean for Latter-day Saints. How can these findings be applied in home and gospel settings? Finally, what inspired them to become an educator, and how has it affected their lives? Education is the difference between wishing you could help other people and being able to help them. This is the Seek Learning Podcast, presented by the BYU Latter-day Saint Educator Society. David Waddell is the director of the Office of Experiential Learning and Internships at Brigham Young University. This office was created just four years ago, and David is the first director of that office, leading it since its creation. Before that, he served as the assistant dean of the College of Humanities at BYU. As the very first director of the Office of Experiential Learning, he spent the last few years creating unique opportunities for students to engage experiential learning. Also, how to transition from their college experience into their careers. David recently sat down with Heather Safarovich from our team, and let's join their conversation. Well, Dave, thanks for being with us today. You have a fascinating job. Tell us a little bit about what you do. Sure. So our office was created uh, about four years ago uh, as a result of President Worthen's Inspiring Learning Initiative. Um, um, And uh, So our role is really to support the co-curricular efforts 
that are happening on campus um, that are associated with inspiring learning. So there are many great things happening on campus. We provide support for, uh, for internships, for partnerships with external organizations that want to sponsor projects for students. And as much as anything over the last four years, we've really facilitated conversation uh, between experiential learning practitioners, so faculty and others who are involved in uh, the experiences students are having, bringing them together for best practices, establishing um, sort of sets of standards and expectations, and, and really just learning from one another. So it's really been a very informative experience to this point. Sounds like it's been hands-on, too. That's always fun. Very much, yeah. Well, describe what experiential learning is and maybe what it is not. Sure. Many educators are familiar with John Dewey, this early pioneer of education generally, but he's really considered the father of experiential learning as well. And it's this, this idea of learning by doing, but that's really not quite enough. Uh, in fact, Dewey even says, uh, we don't learn through experience, we learn through a reflection on experience. And so that's a really key component. If we're, when we're talking about experiential learning, it's, it's a reflective learning on that experience. And, and even more specific, I would say, it's directed uh, reflection on learning through experience. Because we can learn, as we all know, the wrong lessons from experience as well. And then intention. What are we hoping? What are we wanting? What are we expecting to get out of an experience? And knowing what those intentions are uh, is really important for the, um, for the most effective kind of learning to happen post-experience. So those are the two components, and those can be, again, those can be applied very, very broadly and far outside of academics as well. So. Um, I think, it's, I think it's relevant in K through 12, through higher education, and, and, and frankly, just right in our lives. Sure, and experiential learning is very important from a museum education perspective because people are going and they are engaging and they are interacting with things that are outside of the traditional forms of, of education in a classroom with a desk and with paper. And um, this, this is a very important topic for many reasons, but it gives students the opportunity to learn in a different environment in a different way. And I think it helps with the way the synapses are connecting in, especially a young brain, but uh, in a, maybe I should say, a not fully developed brain, <laughs> because we know that most brains aren't fully developed and I'll say cooked until about 25. Right. Our, right. our auto insurance companies know that. That's right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but just how important that is to have those experiences. And at the Education in Zion Gallery, where I work as the curator, we even have one half of our permanent exhibition that focuses on the study experience revelation cycle. And we show how those all feed one another. We represent it as a circle, so it can be entered at any point of those, those three areas, study, experience, and revelation, and then that circle will carry the learner wherever they need to go, whether they started experience or ended experience or experiences in the middle, experience is there. Right. I, I think that's such a, uh, a relevant connection between um between gospel learning or, or the pattern of revelation and experiential learning. The world's view of this is intention, integration, reflection. And as you've just stated, it's, um, what was it? You, the three pieces of the cycle? Study, experience, uh, study, revelation. Study, experience, revelation. They're, they're synonymous with each other. And if you go to the middle of that circle, 
that's where revelation comes, right? And that's where that learning happens. So whether we're talking about a secular environment or a spiritual environment, the pattern is the same. And hopefully, um, in, in, um, in our own faith tradition, we're able to make, that, to, to, uh, to make the connection between that, um, that spiritual learning and the secular learning. It's the same process. And, uh, and then, of course, the result is inspiration, right? right? Inspiring learning, um, as President Worthen put it. Yes, and it's tailor-made to the learner. Precisely. So how do you think we can help our students develop this culture of reflection on their experiences? If we can think of, um, of disciplines as an approach to solving a problem as opposed to a content area, See, that's one of the problems with, um, with the way uh, we teach. We teach a subject. We don't, see, we don't teach how to view the world or, or to affect the world or to solve problems in the world uh, through a subject. And, and it, that's, what, that's the beauty of experiential learning. I can take a math major and say, how do we use a math lens to solve a social problem? We can take an English major and say, how do we solve a technology problem through the eyes of, of an English major, right? So if we can see disciplines as ways to approach um, changing or, or, or solving problems, um, we'll, we'll start to catch the value of experiential learning. We'll see it as absolutely integral to the content that we're teaching in our classrooms. And experiential learning is on the rise. It's, uh, it's growing, and I think a lot of people are, are understanding this. Um, the students aren't getting it yet. Um, they're still afraid of the grade. And so um, we may be having a great experience out here doing the, you know, this field study or, or this internship, but ultimately I, I need to make sure I'm getting a good grade, right? So, so if we can... Um, I think if we can help students understand that, that they have opportunities to use what they're learning to address or to solve something that's relevant to them. It's not just solve any problem, but something that, that, they can, that they can grasp a hold, something they can understand and that means something to them. So what does it change? How, do, does, how does it affect the way you see things? How does it affect the way uh, you understand yourself or yourself in this environment? How does it help you understand others around you? What are you noticing the responses of others are in this same situation? So there's so many, so many elements of, of awareness that, that just sort of having the help to open our, um, our eyes, our minds to, to, the, right, to all those different facets of an experience um, I would say gets at the essence or the value of experiential learning. That's what I think experiential learning has the opportunity to offer that you that might be much harder, right, in a classroom. Is here is an environment out in the field or working on a project or something that that offers um, uh, that offers failure without an impact on the grade. That offers uh, question and and unknown without the consequence of a bad grade. And that's when, when the exploration can go beyond just trying to know what I gotta do to get an A, right? When we push that aside, um, 
it seems to me the potential is, is tremendous for students, um, even for their emotional and mental well-being. A lot of what David has been talking about so far is helping us to see how important experiential learning is in helping college students transition to their careers. But experiential learning is something educators at every level should be thinking about. In the next part of our conversation with David, he'll give us some tips on how experiential learning can help younger children and how we can look for ways to teach through experience at all ages. What types of experiential learning opportunities might be appropriate for, say, primary aged children in maybe activity days or something similar? I have a son now that they call it activity days for, for the boys now, too. Uh, it used to just be uh, for the girls. But um, the experiences that I look forward to him having are those that, um, that expose him to, uh, to things outside of the environments that he's usually a part of. So whether it's going to school, whether it's in his home, um, those um, those experiences that can get the children out to see um, and experience what is beyond those comfortable places. They're so eager to soak this stuff up. And whether they are primary aged or whether they are college aged, both and everywhere in between are still so anxious and hungry to experience things outside of what... Um, of what's been comfortable, but uh, field trips, you know, taking taking a bunch of you know four or five, you know, eight year olds or nine year olds to, uh, you know, to the to the uh, city council meeting or the museum, yeah, just the museum, whatever it is, uh, and and then the most important part is the opportunity to reflect on it. We can take them out there and have these experiences, but how often do we? take the last 15 minutes while they eat some cookies or drink some, you know, and, and drink some milk and, and just say, what did you think about that? What did that, you know, what did that change about the way you thought of, you know, whatever it is? So, so that opportunity for them to decompress, to deconstruct or to unpack is a pretty common term uh, that we use. So in what ways do you think experiential learning could be used to help strengthen our nuclear and, and extended families? Because I think there's lots of opportunities there for us as church members. I, I served a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And uh, there was a lot of emphasis on keeping a journal. There was since I was a, you know, a, a boy in, in primary and, and up through junior high and high school. I think that, that members have been primed, actually, that our, that our own faith culture has, has, um, has really prepared us uh, for maximizing the potential of experiential learning because we've been encouraged to keep journals, because we've been encouraged to be intentional about, about what we learn, about how we act, about the activities we engage in. So to me, it seems that what we need to do now is make that conscious to, to help um, one another become aware of the process that we're in. That's what will, in my view, unleash the potential of experiential learning in our homes uh, with those uh, that are you know, family or, or um, 
you know, whoever else that we're dealing with, if we can be conscious of what learning is happening and what we're trying to make happen as a result of it, it can turn, you know, a, a family home evening into uh, a conversation about the way people feel and, and have experienced things together uh, and, and the richness that um, that, that um, allows, uh, it, it trains our minds to count our blessings. It trains our minds to learn the lessons that the Lord wants us to learn. It was, uh, let's see, Richard G. Scott was a big fan of this, and, and President Nelson most recently. Listen, then write it down, then listen again, right? It's that same pattern, and, and that's, that's experiential learning. Well, and I can see how that pattern could be useful in our families, but also in our ministering assignments, in our interactions with our literal neighbors, our figurative neighbors, and all within our spheres of influence. I think that's right, that um, what that kind of, uh, of dialogue, allowing people or giving people the opportunity to reflect in our presence, in some ways prompted by questions that we have, um, builds trust. It um, it uh, it builds faith, uh, and it helps. I think it, it helps us recognize um, some often underlying truths, good bad sometimes what are maybe our intentions aren't correct sometimes you know and intentions aren't always pure but allowing and giving each other the opportunity to reflect on those things um, also uh, can lead to um, not just more effective learning but but more effective action and changes in in intentions changes in um, um, when we're forced to evaluate our our own assumptions, when we're forced to evaluate our own intentions, um, it, it, it requires a wrestle. So much more good can come, I believe, in, in being able to, uh, to evaluate where we're at. And just, yeah, giving each other an opportunity to reflect. That's such a, I hadn't thought of that until you said that, but that's such a great, such a great idea. And as you were speaking, the thing that was coming to my mind over and over was that if we ponder and reflect and then help others do that, we're really creating sacred space for all of us. And how powerful will that be in the end? What a great term, sacred space. That's what it is. The spirit can, um, can teach, right? That's sacred space. When two or three are gathered, yeah, well, well put. I just love that sacred space idea. Yeah. We don't need a lot of it, but we need some of it and at regular intervals. So I'm going to ask a question then. How can we be more intentional um, about, about sparking that reflection, about, um, about getting others to reflect? Okay, listeners, this is the interactive component for you at home as you're listening or as you're driving. Start thinking of how you can apply this with your your relationships. As usual, in the last part of our conversation with David Waddell, we wanted to know about him. How did his experiences lead him to education? And one interesting thing he comments on, how did the dead ends in his career lead him to where he was most needed? Let's join him and Heather for the final part of their conversations. 
Dave, you've worked at BYU for a couple of decades now in various positions as a university administrator. Why did you choose to become an educator and how has it helped you build your faith? So I don't know that I ever chose to be an educator and that sounds really, um, um, that doesn't jive with the rest of the things we've been talking about, especially when we talked about agency and... and uh, I, I think it's perfect would, because it shows the human <laughs> contradictions that we all hold. That's right. So I did not have any intention, especially early in my life, to be in education. The Lord, frankly, has been very instrumental. The, the, the careers that I chose were were sort of harsh dead ends. Not, not eh, I don't know if it feels very good, but 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 knows and you know and I don't mean that the answer I got was a no when I prayed about it I mean when I went down that road as far as I could like Elder Holland spoke about a few years ago he went down the road as far as he could and they had to do that in order to know it was the wrong road that has been my experience again and again and so the opportunities that or where I am now have been has been the result of um of, of trying those roads and then um, a, a different road that was, you know, a little bit more easier to take, if you will. Uh, so so that's, that's where I've, that's how I got where I am now. Um, but in terms of the, of the value of education, I, um, I seriously doubt that there are professions or, or industries or whatever to be in that is, that is nobler than teaching. In fact, my, uh, my faith tradition as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ um, has, has impacted my, my view of other professions as well. And I don't know where we'll be a hundred, a thousand, ten thousand years from now, but in my view, the, the, the pinnacle of any profession will be the teaching of that. So whether you're a doctor, a lawyer, a, a financier, a, a, you know, communications or, or in the media, whatever, it, it is when that, when, when that reaches a point at which it's being taught, when someone is teaching that, that is, that is the pinnacle of, of, of the value of that profession. Because that is what expands um, the spiritual, the emotional, the, the, the intellectual for, for, for others. It's that, it's that level of service. It's that depth and texture. Depth and texture, fantastic, yeah, yeah. Education is continued expansion and glory. That potential to continually learn, that, that to me is... is um, is the essence of, you know, how many different hymns do we have where we, you know, that space is expanding, that, you know, that, uh, that the glory of God continues to expand. To me, that is learning. That is, that is learning. Certainly, his mind and his capacity to perceive and understand and, and conceive of, or, or, of thought and, and, and of new ideas um, 
clearly that is is ever expanding. And it seems so exciting. I don't think our finite minds can can hold this. So I don't think we can comprehend it. But it sounds fascinating, doesn't it? Absolutely. It's the one endeavor. You know, this was we were we had a, a meeting with a visiting scholar several a few years ago, and and he said education was the one selfish endeavor that a true Christian can pursue. Well, Dave, thanks for such an intriguing discussion today. It's been delightful. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Our thanks to David Waddell and Heather Safarovich for their time today. The Seek Learning Podcast is produced by the BYU Latter-day Saint Educators Society in cooperation with the McKay School of Education. I'm Casey Paul Griffiths, and I serve along with Michael Leonard as the executive producers of this podcast. We also receive assistance from Joe Backman, David Boren, Betsy Ecton, Heather Safarovich, and Lisa Leonard. Editing and production of this episode was carried out by our wonderful students at the McKay School, and our theme and music was composed by Alistair Schwerman. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, help us grow the podcast by subscribing or writing a review wherever you receive your podcasts, or give the Society a like or comment on Facebook or Instagram. Latter-day Saint Educators Society also holds an annual conference every June to provide inspiration and information for those of you out there in the field. We hope you'll join us this June. You can find more information on our webpage. Just Google Seek Learning Podcast. Now, I've mentioned this a couple times, but one unique thing we're trying this year at our conference is to provide some recognition for all the wonderful Latter-day Saint educators out there working hard. Latter-day Saint Educator Society is looking for nominees for Latter-day Saint Educator of the Year in the categories of elementary, secondary, collegiate, and religious education. In the next few weeks, we'll explain how you can nominate people for these awards, and we look forward to your feedback. Until next time, this has been Seek Learning.